Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. Uh, just to give you a little refresher before I jump into the passage here this morning. We're going to talk about Jacob. And um, if you know Jacob, Jacob was a trickster. From the time he even came out of his mother's womb, it's, the Bible tells us that his, he was uh, a twin brother. And, and as he was coming out, they were coming out of the womb, that Jacob had a hold of his brother's heel, right? He was already fighting for position right from the beginning. So Jacob was a trickster, and, and uh, he even tricked his brother Esau into giving him his birthright for a bowl of soup. You remember that story? A lot of stuff in that story we could get into. Um, he, he tricked his brother again and his father when Isaac was, was older and his, says his eyes were dim and he was in his last days. says that Isaac told Esau to go out and kill some wild game and to come back and bring him a meal and that he would give him the fatherly blessing, the family blessing of the firstborn. So what, is, what, is, what does uh, Jacob do? Jacob, who is a, a smooth-skinned person, put on some goat hair because his brother Esau, which actually means hairy. I think my, my mom and dad named me the wrong name. should have been Esau. But, but he puts on some goat fur, and he goes in to his, brother, or to his father and convinces his father that he is his older brother Esau and steals the blessing, the family blessing, from his older brother. So Jacob was... He was a, a trickster. He was a deceiver. It made his brother so angry that, his, that Esau wanted to get revenge, exact revenge on Jacob. And so the Bible tells us that, that, it, that Esau had set in his mind to kill his brother Jacob. And so his mom and dad, Isaac and um, Rebecca said, not Rebecca, Isaac and his wife said, I promise I read the Bible. It doesn't sound like it this morning. I'm forgetting all kinds of stuff. But they tell him to go to the land of Canaan and to find a wife to marry there and to stay with his uh, uncle Laban. And so Jacob leaves for Canaan to hide from his brother. And this is where we're going to pick up in the story. Jacob comes to the land of Canaan. And here in verse 2, we're going to start in chapter 29, verse 2. It says, one day Jacob came to a well out in the open country where the shepherds watered their animals. Three flocks of sheep and goats were lying near the well, which had a large, heavy stone covering the opening. Whenever all the flocks gathered there, the shepherds would roll away the stone from the mouth of the well, water their sheep, and then roll the stone back over the top of the well. Now they did this they did this for two reasons. Water in those times or in this area was scarce, right? They're in the desert climate. This was the only well that they had. And so water was a scarce resource. And so they, they rolled the stone away and they all gathered at one time for two reasons. One was to keep the water pure because each time they would move the stone away, some sand, some rubble would fall into the well. So in order to prevent that from happening multiple times a day, they made a commitment to one, each, to one another to only move the stone one time a day, get what they all needed out of the stone, and then roll the stone back over to protect the water throughout the rest of the day and the evening. They also did it to keep each other accountable. So if all the shepherds were there all at the same time, and they rolled the stone away, then they would be accountable to their water intake. They made sure that no one else, no one took more water than what was needed uh, for their flock and for their families. And so that's why they would meet at this well all at the same time, every single day. All the shepherds, all the flocks would meet at the well, and then they would all draw from the well together. So they were there at this point. All of the, the shepherds were gathering at the well at this point when Jacob comes up to them. Jacob approached them and said, Good day, friends. Where are you from? We're from Haran, they answered. Do you happen to know Laban, a grandson of Naor, Jacob asked. 
We do, they replied. Jacob asked, well, how's he doing? Pleasant conversation here, isn't it? He's doing well, they answered. As a matter of fact, here comes his daughter, Rachel, right now with her flock. Jacob said to them, look, it's not time for the animals to gather together here. It's now the hottest hour of the day. Let's go ahead and water the sheep. Then you can go back to your pa- go back and pasture them. Now, there's something uh, interesting here that that you might miss. Jacob, before his before he left, before his parents sent him off, Isaac made Jacob promise that he would not marry a woman from the land of Canaan, but he would instead take a bride from his uncle Laban. And so the shepherds are there in the. And, and he's asking about the family and all of these things. Jacob is asking about the family. And they say, well, as a matter of fact, one of Laban's daughters is coming now. Then all of a sudden, Jacob's like, well, well, hey, guys. He gets really concerned for the sheep of all of these shepherds. And he's like, hey, it's hot out here. You need to get some water. Let's go ahead and just do this now so you guys can leave, right? Seems real concerned. But the reality is, is Rachel's coming. I don't think Jacob was nearly as concerned about their sheep as he was about getting some alone time with Rachel, right? He's like, hey, guys, it's hot out here. Let's go ahead and just do this thing now so you can get on home, right? And I can have some time with Rachel. So, so Jacob has something on his mind already, right? He's already got a little plan in his mind. Rachel's coming. He's looking for a wife. This could potentially be her. This could be t- potentially be her. So he says, listen, guys, it's hot out here. Go ahead and water your sheep. And then go ahead and head home so you can pasture them. And they replied, first, we have to wait until all the flocks are gathered. After that, the stone needs to be rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we'll water our animals. So they begin explaining the whole process once again to Jacob. Jacob, hold your horses. We got to wait, right? While they were still speaking, Rachel, the shepherdess, drew near to the well with her father's sheep. As soon as Jacob took one good look at Rachel, the beautiful daughter of his uncle Laban, he quickly went over to the mouth of the well, listen to this, and single-handedly rolled away the stone and watered all the flocks of his uncle Laban. Come on, this is, this is good stuff right here. They're in the middle of conversing with Jacob. It says, while they were talking to Jacob, Jacob looks up, sees Rachel, and immediately walks away from the conversation. He walks away from, he puts aside all of their rules, right? They're telling guys, guys or Jacob, we, we have to wait. And they're in the middle of telling him all this. He sees Rachel, ignores the protocol, goes to the rock himself. And the, earlier in the chapter, it says the shepherds, plural, move the rock, right? He sees Rachel and turns into Johnny Bravo, right? <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know Johnny Bravo, we'll go with Pepe Le Pew, Okay. He sees, sees Rachel, goes over to the rock, and all by himself rolls the stone away. Can you just see his muscles just bulging, right? Pressing. He's, he's like a teenage boy at church in front of all of the youth groups stacking them chairs. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't need a dolly. I got this, right? You know? He's trying to impress Rachel, right? He instantly falls immediately in love. And listen, then he hits the apex, of ancient Jewish culture flirting, right? He goes, listen, Rachel, I'm going to water all your sheep, right? I'm going to water all your sheep. That's, that's like the highest form of flirting in, in the Old Testament, right? Or, or, for, or for some of you farmers, maybe that's still relevant, right? I'm going to, don't worry, baby, I got this. I'm going to water all of these sheep. So he waters all of the sheep. Notice he, it doesn't say he watered everyone's sheep, right? No, he watered Rachel's sheep, right? right? I could just hear him with the pickup lines, the Christian pickup lines, right? Like, hey, baby, I was reading numbers last night, and I realized I ain't got yours, right? <laughs> or, or hey, hey, Rachel, 
you know, I was thinking maybe you want to be a part of my purpose-driven life. You know what I mean? Like all of the good ones, right? He, he begins hitting on Rachel, trying to impress her, trying to, to, to show her, you know, how, how big and how strong that he is. He was completely taken with Rachel. One look, one look, and she became his promise. One look, she became his dream. The Bible tells us here, so it said Jacob, in the middle of the conversation, he instantly loses interest. This isn't what the Bible says, this is my commentary. <laughs> he instantly loses interest in the sweaty shepherds and turns and focuses on Rachel. I forgot this. I did have this in my note, and this is incredibly important. Testosterone floods his body, right? <laughs> you get the point. One look at Rachel, and Jacob instantly knows what he wants to do for the rest of his life, and that's to pursue her. She becomes his dream. She becomes his promise. I want you this morning, as we read through this passage and this, this story here, I want you to see Rachel as that. Rachel is the promise. Rachel is what Jacob wants to spend the rest of his life doing. He is, she is the dream of Jacob. And I want you to see Rachel as that, but I want you to think even now for a moment with me, what is it that God has put in you that's your dream? What is that moment when you saw it, you said, man, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to give myself to pursuing that. I want to give myself to pursuing that. For me, that moment came, I've shared this story before, it came uh, when I was in youth group one day or one, one evening and our, our youth pastor uh, had passed out a couple of scripture verses about from the story of Gideon and she passed a, a handful or like two or three verses out to a handful of different students and asked us to, to read, to study, and to prepare just a little sermonette on that little portion of scripture. And then she would allow us that night to present that little portion. And I remember getting that little portion of scripture and I began studying it. And I remember just the revelation that opened up within those few verses. And I remember standing up there that night in that, in that youth group service and, and being able to teach that. And I, and I actually remember she gave me like two or three verses. I ended up preaching on like all 12 of them that she handed out. And I remember that night, it was just like the Lord had hooked me for this right here. Being able to share the gospel, to be able to receive revelation from the Lord, have it deeply impact me and then be able to share that impact, that revelation. And there was just a fire and a passion that was birthed in me that night to be able to become a preacher of the gospel of Jesus. It was my Rachel moment when I saw Rachel and I said, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. What's your Rachel moment? What's that moment in life where you saw it or maybe you got a little taste of it and it was like this passion that was just began burning in you. Maybe for some it was when you became a teacher or you, you, were, were, you, you realized that, man, I want to be able to go in schools and just impact kids, be able to teach them and impact them. Maybe, maybe it was some form of ministry. I know we have Harmony House in the room and we have life groups and we have, we have other things. What, maybe, maybe it was just that moment where you realized you could, you could uh, have a ministry and see people come to Jesus. Maybe it was, uh, I know we have a lot of farmers in the room. Maybe it's, man, I just want to take my, my grandfather, my father's legacy, this farm, this land, and I want to build it. I want to continue that legacy. I did some research this week for something and saw that there's over 6,000 Hoosier homesteads in Indiana. A Hoosier Homestead, is, it's, it's an award presented from the state for, home, for farms that have been in a family for over 100 years. Some, some 150, some 250 and beyond. Over 6,000 farms in Indiana that have already, that have received this title. I'm, I'm positive there's some of those in this room here this morning. So maybe that was your dream. I'm going to continue that legacy. 
continue raising my kids and, and our, my generation on the farm and teach them the family values. Maybe that was your passion and your dream. Whatever it may be, maybe it was starting a business and, and you, had, you had a passion just for entrepreneurship and you wanted to start a business. Whatever it may be, maybe it's just raising a family. Maybe it's just, I want to have kids and I want to be a mom and a dad or a dad and, and I want to be able to raise the kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What was your Rachel moment? where that dream was birthed on the inside of you. And you said, that's what I want to pursue for the rest of my life. That's what I want to pursue for the rest of my life. So Jacob meets Rachel, falls instantly, passionately in love. Instantly, passionately in love. So much so that Jacob runs over and, and kisses her right on the mouth, it says. And then, and then it's, he kisses her on the mouth, and then the Bible says he starts weeping uncontrollably. How attractive is that, right? <laughs> Snot flying everywhere. He kisses her, begins weeping just from the well of passion that springs up inside of him. And then I love this. It was after he kisses her that he says, Rachel, let me explain something to you. You're my cousin. <laughs> Verse, I think it's verse 12. He says, he says, he explains to her that Laban is my father's brother and you're, you're my cousin. So Rachel runs home to tell her dad Laban that her cousin kissed him, kissed her. And Laban then runs out to meet Jacob and welcomes him into the home. Welcomes, welcomes him to the family farm, the family business. After about a month of staying and working with Laban, he says to Jacob in verse 15, there in Genesis 29, he says, listen, just because you're my relative doesn't mean I expect you to work for nothing. Tell me what you want your wages to be. So Laban says, listen, I don't expect you to work for free. I appreciate all you're doing. I don't expect you to work for free. I'm not going to take advantage of you. What do you want your wages to be? Jacob doesn't have to think about it for one second. Without hesitation, he immediately says, I want Rachel. I want Rachel. That's what I want my prize to be. I don't want a portion of the land. I don't want any farm. I don't want any animals. I just want Rachel. So they make an agreement. They make a covenant with one another that Jacob was going to serve Laban for seven years. And at the end of the seven years, Laban would give Rachel to Jacob to be his bride. Now, Laban actually has two daughters in the story. The younger is Rachel. The older is Leah. The Bible gives us a little bit of context to these two daughters. And it tells us that Rachel was beautiful in form and in appearance. That she was just a captivating lady. But it tells us that Leah, the older sister, the only thing it really says about her is that she has weak eyes. Some translations say her eyes were dim. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. It says that her eyes had no sparkle, right? She, she didn't have, she didn't have uh, Joe Greentree's eyes, right? Her eyes had no sparkle. So it tells us, basically what it's telling us is that Rachel was, was captivating and beautiful, but Leah was not so much. I was thinking, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking, man, when I get to heaven, I hope I don't run into Leah after preaching this and talking about how her eyes were weak and all of these things. But it tells us that Rachel was beautiful, but Leah, Leah had weak eyes, it says. The bottom line is that Jacob desired Rachel and not Leah. His passion was for Rachel and not for Leah. So Laban agrees to the terms, seven years for Rachel. Jacob begins his seven-year commitment for the hand of Rachel. Every day he works in the field. He shepherds the flock. He feeds the cattle. Each day he walks to the same well that he first met Rachel at. 
and sees all the same shepherds. Remember, they all meet there together every single day. So these shepherds that he first met, he goes to that same well every single day with the sheep and he talks to those same shepherds every single day. No doubt he's bragging to them, listen, I get Rachel boys, right? He sees them every single day watering their sheep. He goes back home. He feeds all of Laban's cattle. It's strenuous, hard, heavy, laborious work. But for Jacob, the Bible says it was easy. He says it was easy because his eyes were set on the promise. Because he had a burning passion and desire on the inside of him all of the labor, all of the hard work, all of the time it took to wait for Rachel, the Bible tells us that it was easy. It says in verse 20, it says, Jacob served Laban for seven years, but because he loved her so deeply, the seven years seemed like only a few days. Seemed like only a few days. When you have a passion burning on the inside of you for something, when you can see the vision, when you can see the end of the labor, it makes that thing seem easy. It makes that thing seem, seem not so hard. For anybody else, it would be a burden, right? For anybody else, that type of work would be, would be difficult and dirty and hard. But because of the passion and the desire on the inside of Jacob, the Bible says that it was easy for him. Seven years felt like a few days. And I don't know if anybody can relate to that. Maybe you've been able to step into that passion that once consumed you when you first saw that, that vision and that dream that God had put on the inside of you. You've been able to step into it and you've been able to work for it. But for you, the work was easy and it was light. There wasn't much of a burden there because you saw the end from the beginning. You knew what you were pointed towards. And it just made that work that anybody else would have to do and call it labor, you called it a pleasure because you knew where you were headed. Because you could see what nobody else could see. So for Jacob, the seven years was easy because he was deeply in love with Rachel. The day came. Seven years of work. Seven years of toil, seven years of walking by Rachel as he was feeding the sheep, having to see her but not able to yet have her. Seven years of patiently waiting, doing everything right. The day finally came and Jacob was able to claim his bride. Seven days, came, the, the seven years were fulfilled. Jacob went to Laban and said, give me your daughter so that I may marry her. I have fulfilled my vow. I have served well. Give me my promise. So Laban prepared this major banquet for the marriage of Jacob and Rachel. This huge feast. They invited all of the family that was around. They invited all of their friends, all of those shepherds that Jacob hung out with at the well. All of them were invited. And he threw this major feast, this huge celebration Everything was going perfectly that night. And Jacob, after the feast, after the celebration, went to his own tent to wait for his bride, Rachel. The Bible tells us then that Laban came by the tent with his daughter and opened the tent door and allowed and gave his daughter to Jacob. But here's where the twist in the story happens. He brought a daughter that night, but it wasn't Rachel. It wasn't his dream. It wasn't the thing that he, for seven years, passionately and patiently waited and worked for. Laban brought Leah to the tent. That night, Jacob, the trickster, the heel grabber, got tricked. He was deceived. And Laban brought Leah to Rachel, or brought Leah to Jacob's tent. 
verse 25 tells us that the next morning when Jacob woke up, he was shocked to find Leah lying next to him. So he confronted Laban and said, what have you done to me? Didn't I serve you these seven years for Rachel? Why have you tricked me? Several years ago, Amber and I were coming home. We, this was when we were living in Alabama. We were making a trip back to visit Indiana, and we stopped at a gas station Arby's combo for lunch. And we went in. I was starving, right? I was hungry. I was tired from driving. I just wanted to eat, right? So we, we go in. We order our food. We're in a hurry, so we're not gonna we didn't stay at the restaurant to eat. We just ordered it to go, got in the car, and left, right? And what I get at Arby's, if anybody wants to pick me up Arby's, here's my order, okay? Market fresh sandwich, turkey bacon ranch, all right? And it's got to be the curly fries. Don't come at me with those crinkle fries from Arby's, all right? Curly fries. So I order my market fresh turkey bacon ranch sandwich. Any other turkey bacon ranches in the room? Okay. Yeah, you guys know what's good. I can trust all of you. So that's good. You have good taste. I order my turkey bacon ranch sandwich. We get in the car. We get driving. We're about a mile or so down the road on the highway. Amber hands me my sandwich. I open it up. I'm not looking at the sandwich because I'm watching the road. I am eating while driving. Don't tell anyone, but I was. And uh, take a bite of the sandwich. It was a Reuben. Yeah. Yeah. How many Reuben people do we have in the room? Okay. I don't trust you. <laughs> don't trust your judgment. Right? I ordered turkey bacon ranch, ended up with a Reuben, right? Jacob wanted Rachel, ended up with Leah. I actually heard Brock teaching on this, this, this passage, this story, uh, not too long ago, and I loved his analogy. Have you, ever, have you ever stood in front of a vending machine, right? One of those vending machines with the candy bars and like the curly things, you know what I'm talking about? And you look and you see, you see the Snickers or the Reese's. Snickers or Reese's, right? Those are the best ones. There's no other candy bars. Snickers or Reese's or Milky Ways. Those are good too. <laughs> I didn't eat breakfast this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> you see the candy bar you want. Okay, it's E7, right? E7. So you go, you put your quarters in, or nowadays you, you swipe your credit card because it costs that much at a vending machine. Uh, you, you swipe your credit card, and you look again. Okay, it's E7, E7. You go to type it in. You're like, wait, let me just double check, right? E7. All right. So you type in E7, and then you look with anticipation, waiting for that snicker bar to come out, and then you see E6 begin to spin, right? And E6 is not a Reese's, a snicker bar, or a Milky Way, E6 is a box of raisins. <laughs> and you have this panic attack, right? Like, no, no, I only had $1, right? I can't, I can't do that. This isn't going to work for me. You start shaking the machine, you know, all of the things, right? Lee, or Jacob wanted Rachel, and he ended up with Leah. He wanted the daughter that was beautiful in form and in appearance. And he ended up with the daughter with weak eyes. For the first time in Jacob's life, Jacob is patient for the promise. Remember Jacob's story. He fought his way even out of the womb wanting to be first. He tricked his brother into his birthright, out of his birthright because he wanted to be the leader and to be first. He tricked his brother once again and his own father out of the family blessing. And for the first time, Jacob sees Rachel and he says, listen, this, isn't, this is too important for me to cheat, my, cheat the system. Rachel is too valuable for me to jump over and to jump the hoops through the hoops. So for the first time in his life, Jacob is patient for the promise. No heel grabbing, no goat fur wearing, none of that. He committed. He put in the time and the effort. He did everything right. Let me emphasize this. He did everything right. 
everything he was supposed to. And he ended up with the weak-eyed sister, Leah. Can anyone relate to that feeling? And I'm not talking about vending machines or fast food restaurants. I'm talking you had a passion and a desire. You had a vision for what the Lord had for you for the rest of your life. What you wanted to do for the rest of your life, you pursued that vision. You were obedient to the call of God on your life. You served the Lord well. And at the end of it, when it seems like it's time for you to receive your prize, to see, receive your reward, to see your vision come to pass, you open your eyes, and it's not Rachel. It's Leah. It's not what you had imagined it would be. It's not the desire of your heart. It's not what got you up in the morning when, in, in the first days and made you go out and do all of the work, all of the labor. It's not Rachel. It's, it's Leah. And you look back and you go, God, I did everything right. I was as obedient as I knew how to be. I was patient. I thought I was, thought I was time for me to step into my passion, my calling, my desire. And you get there and you realize that it's not what you wanted. You ended up with something else. It's not what you pictured. It's not what you wanted. It doesn't look like the vision God had planted into your spirit. Maybe you got to the school that you wanted to teach at. And you're in a couple years. And it's not what you thought it would be. It's not what you had envisioned in your mind that teaching a group of students would be. You're not having the impact you thought you would have. Maybe it's the business that you started because you wanted to have a little bit more freedom and a little bit more money. But you're broker than you've ever been and you're busier than you've ever been. You wanted Rachel, but you ended up with Leah. Could be a million different scenarios. Maybe you're in the ministry that you dreamed of being in. And you're not having the impact you thought you'd have. It's not the culture that you thought you would lead or build. It's not Rachel, it's Leah. What does that do? Makes you feel stuck. Disappointed. Frustrated. And all of that makes you feel tired all the time. Anxious. Wondering, how did I even end up here? What am I even doing? Was that even, you begin questioning, was that even the dream? Was that even the vision? Was that even what God had me to do? Feel stuck, disappointed, and frustrated because you wanted Rachel and you ended up with Leah. Jacob asks Laban, when he realizes it's Leah, Jacob goes up to Laban and he says, why have you tricked me? Does anybody ever feel tricked in life? <laughs> like, wait, this is not what Facebook made it look like, right? In reality, this, this, isn't, this isn't what I thought it would be. Jacob felt tricked and he was tricked by Laban. Laban's response to Jacob was this, well, Jacob, it's not our custom to give your younger daughter before the older. Scubala. Do you know what scubala means? It's the word that Paul uses when he describes all of his previous accomplishments, and he says, I count them all as dung. Scubala. Right? Laban knew exactly what he had promised Jacob. I guarantee you that Jacob, that whole entire seven years, made sure not to let Laban know not to let Laban forget what he was working for. 
Laban knew exactly what the deal he made was seven years before. It was not for Leah. It was for Rachel. The trickster got tricked. I want to make something very clear to you here this morning. In this story, God is not represented by Laban. God is not represented by Laban in this story. And I want to make that clear because often what happens when we feel like we've been tricked out of the vision and the promise that we feel was from God, we feel that it was God that tricked us. God, you're the one who told me to do this. You're the one who promised me all of these things. You're the one who gave me the vision and the passion and the desire for this, right? So God, why did you give me Leah when you promised me Rachel? We begin blaming God for not seeing the fulfillment of the promise in our life. But I want to tell you again, make it very clear, Laban does not represent God in this story. God is not a deceiver. The Bible says that when God speaks a word, it goes out and accomplishes exactly what it was meant to do. God is not a deceiver. The word that he planted on the inside of you is still his vision for you. It's still his calling for you. It's still the desire of his heart for you to fulfill and walk in that passion. God is not represented by Laban in this story. There is one deceiver, and it is not God. There is one deceiver, and it is not God. Maybe you are right where you're supposed to be, ladies and gentlemen. How many of you ever feel like you, maybe you missed the mark? Maybe you took a wrong turn somewhere along the way. I want to suggest this to you. Maybe you are actually right where you're supposed to be. Maybe you have actually done everything to the best of your ability and walked in obedience to the Father to the best of your ability. And maybe now the deceiver, not God, has come in along on your journey and has dropped things in your tent that disappoint you. Hard things that wear you out and leave you feeling empty. God's plan for Jacob was still Rachel. God's plan for Jacob was still Rachel. And it wasn't God that put Leah in the tent. It was Laban who deceived him. And for some of you, you're questioning whether or not this was really the call of God. Did God really put these promises? Was the prophecies that were spoken over this really true? And the reason you're questioning that is because the deceiver has come in. And he has put Leah's in your tent. Places where you can be disappointed in hard things that distract you from the vision. Hard things that cause you to be tired and to, and to be weary along the way. It's not God who deceived Jacob. It was Laban the deceiver. And it's not God who's deceiving you. Maybe you're right where you're supposed to be, but the enemy has come in and began sowing seeds of discord to take you off the path of your purpose and your passion. The question then is, what do you do? What do you do? I'm still tired. <laughs> even, even if I understand that it's God's passion for me to still be have Rachel, it's still his passion for me to, to be in this area, God, I, I'm still tired. I understand that, but I'm still worn out. What do I do in this season? What do I do with this time where I have to deal with Leah in the middle of the journey? What do you do? I want to recommend two things to you this morning. One, don't stop pursuing Rachel. Don't stop pursuing your purpose and your passion. Ignite that passion in you once again. 
And listen, it's hard to ignite a fire when it's raining, isn't it? But I encourage you, go to the place of prayer. Allow God to remind you of the beautiful vision he gave you. Allow God to ignite that and rekindle that passion in you once again for that purpose that he had put inside of you, for that vision of what you could see life being like. Allow him to rekindle that version or that vision on the inside of you. Don't quit pursuing Rachel. Because guess what happens at the end of this story? Jacob gets Rachel. Jacob still ends up with Rachel. He still receives his passion and his bride. He had to work another seven years to get there. But he still received Rachel because he did not quit pursuing her. So my first thing for you this morning, what do you do? Don't quit pursuing Rachel. Don't quit. Someone needs to hear that this morning, loud and clear. Do not stop. You feel like giving up today. You feel like just settling for Leah. Well, this is just my lot in life, and I'm just going to have to deal with it. Do not stop pursuing the dream God has put on the inside of you. Do not quit. Do not quit. Do everything you can to rekindle that fire and that passion on the inside of you. Go to the place of prayer and hear from the God who gave you that promise. With that, with that thought, I want you to see this as well. Jacob, his whole life has been a deceiver. I don't think God deceived Jacob here, but I do believe God used what was meant for evil for Jacob's good. Because even though Jacob had to first have Leah, Jacob learned what it means to be patient. And through this process, Jacob learned how to be patient and learn how to be obedient in this process. The second thing I want to tell you this morning, don't quit pursuing Rachel, but the other thing I want to tell you this morning is this, don't despise Leah. Don't despise Leah. It's not what you wanted. It's a difficult season. It's hard. It's laborious makes you feel anxious and tired. You have to deal with things you didn't want to deal with. But don't despise Leah. Let me tell you why. When you look at the story from 10,000 feet in the air, when you look at the story of Jacob and his wife Leah and his wife Rachel, when you look at their story, you realize something that it was Leah who birthed Reuben. Reuben would later on and save the life of his brother Joseph. Remember that story? The rest, all the brothers wanted to kill Joseph because they were jealous. And Reuben, the oldest brother, steps in and said, listen, let's, let, we're not going to kill him. We're not going to kill him. So Reuben saves the life of Joseph. Joseph then goes on and saves the life of Jacob and all of his siblings. And that was through the line of Leah that Reuben was born. That through Leah's line, Jacob's life was saved. Not only that, Leah also birthed a son named Judah. Through the weak-eyed, 
wife that he didn't want comes Judah, who birthed later on David, who then through the dying of David comes Jesus, the Messiah. He didn't want Leah. Leah felt like a distraction. Leah felt like a disappointment. Leah felt like a weight and not a blessing. But it was through Leah, the weak-eyed bride he didn't want, that the Messiah comes to the earth. If that doesn't speak to you and tell you that God uses all things that was meant for evil to work for good, I don't know what will. Right now, you may feel like you are married to Leah, the weak-eyed bride you didn't want. She looks similar. It's close, right? She's her sister. But it's not the dream. It's not what you wanted. Don't despise her because it was out of that season. It was out of that pain and out of that disappointment that God turned it all around for good and out of the weak-eyed sister that he didn't want comes the Messiah. Could it be, could it be that through this season of disappointment that you may be in right now, could it be that God is producing something in you that later on down the road is going to not only save your own life, but it's going to eventually save the lives of the multitudes. Don't despise Leah. Pursue Rachel. Pursue Rachel. Pursue the promise. And don't despise Leah. Let's stand together this morning. We're not going to have an altar call per se this morning. But I do want to take a moment and just pray for those who feel stuck in a season. Who feel like you've been working hard, you've been doing everything right, you've been as obedient as you can be and as you, as you, as you possibly can be. But you feel like it's time for Rachel, but I, I, I'm looking around and, and, I, and I look over to to my right and I see Leah, not Rachel. I feel like I'm in a season of disappointment, of discouragement. I want to pray for you this morning. So if that's you, I want you just right now just to lift your hands in the air. Father, I just pray encouragement over every person in the room here this morning with their hands raised. Those who are dealing with discouragement and disappointment and frustration here this morning. Those who are in a season where they feel trapped. Where they feel like they've been set up. Where there's a setback. Vision, the vision that they had and the passion that they had has, has become dim and the passion has lost its flame. Father, I pray that today that the Holy Spirit would come and encourage their hearts. God, they would fan into, into flame the embers that, were, that are dying on the inside of them. God, that you would renew that passion, that desire on the inside of them to pursue Rachel. God, that you would remind them of the promise, the seed that you had planted on the inside of them, however many years ago it was. God, that it would be like falling in love again for the first time. God, those feelings and that passion of falling in love, God, I pray that they would begin feeling that again, that passion and that energy again for the vision that you have put in front of them, for the promise that you have given them. Fan it into flame, Jesus. Let them see it once again so that when they go to work, they put their hands to the plow, Lord, that the burden will be easy and light. 
God, I pray that you would grant them a peace that surpasses understanding as they wait patiently for the promise. And Father, I pray that you would help us see beyond our disappointment and our frustration this morning. That you would help us see beyond the pain that we're feeling. Lord, those that are in the season where they've received Leah, God, I pray that they would be encouraged this morning to be able to see from 10,000 feet in the air. God, that they could see how you can turn even their disappointment, their frustration into good, Father. Father, that you turn all things for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. And even if we are in the middle of it and we can't see it right now, Father, I pray again that you would elevate us so we can see that you turn all things for good to those that are in Christ Jesus. And maybe through this season of disappointment, there can be something birthed on the inside of us that changes the world. Father, we thank you that you're in every detail of our life. Again, Father, I just pray that through this message, hearts would be encouraged this morning. Come and encourage us, Jesus. The word courage means to take heart. The word encourage means to give heart. Father, I pray that you would give heart back this morning. There's a lion on the inside of you. Awaken that lion once again, Father. We honor you and all that you do in us this morning, Jesus. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.